0: Welcome to Living Streams. This is sort of a special Sunday. I'm Mark Buckley. I'm going to be speaking this morning. And uh, at the conclusion of my message, there's going to be a video from David in Ireland and then a brief congregational meeting where you're going to get a behind-the-scenes update on what's happening. Um, And one of the things I love about our church is that what's happening behind the scenes is just as real and significant and uh, filled with grace as what happens in our Sunday services, and I think you'll enjoy that time. So we're going to be talking today about living by the Spirit, starting at the end of Galatians 5 and going into the first nine verses of Galatians 6. I just got back from Ireland um, late Friday. And um, I'm a little bit spaced out. It's I'm still on their time, and it's four something in the morning So I've been up again all night Um, So if I say something a little weird you can feel free to interpret it to somebody else any way you like, okay? one of the guys was asking me after the first service how cold it was over there and uh, the pastor I was staying with for part of the time He didn't bother to put the milk away after breakfast because it is just as cold in the kitchen as it is in the refrigerator. Um, When David and I took a hike, I literally had two pair of pants, four shirts, gloves, a down vest, two coats, hat, and a hood. Um, So you sort of hike like this, you know. Uh, Anyway, we're gonna get into the Word. Uh, I had a great time with those guys. David and Brittany are doing a wonderful work, pouring their lives into some young people in Tipperary and working with the church in Nace, Ireland as well. Living by the Spirit, Galatians 6, is our main focus, but we're going to begin in Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, we live by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving, and that's why he says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit of God is not stagnant, and our lives can't be stagnant. He's moving In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, he was hovering over the water, and the Lord spoke, and the Spirit moved, and things were created. Awesome things. Everything we see around us was created by the power of God. And one of the exciting dynamics of our lives can be staying in step with the Spirit allows us to deal with the conflicts and battles of life, Jesus said, you're going to be better off after I'm gone because I'm going to send the Spirit to you. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to give you power to be a witness. He's going to give you spiritual gifts. So it's a real key to our life. In the book of Galatians, to do a quick overview, in the first chapter, Paul had conflict with guys that were distorting the gospel. And because of that conflict, the gospel has been preserved for us today. Because when people are trying to add something to the faith, when they're trying to overcomplicate the faith, when they're trying to do things or make us do things that the Lord doesn't want us to necessarily do, they're distorting who God is and messing with our lives at the same time. In the second chapter of Galatians, there's another conflict, and this conflict was about hypocrisy. And the hypocrisy was coming from the top from Peter himself, who was withdrawing from the regular believers who he used to eat with when the folks came from Jerusalem, and Paul confronted him right up front. And if you've ever had to confront a leader about the error of their ways, you know this is a really difficult thing to do. Peter was a strong guy. Peter was surrounded by a bunch of other leaders. But the paradigm for the body of Christ, is not a top-down hierarchical structure. In the Old Testament, David didn't want to fight Saul because Saul was the anointed king. In the New Testament, even though Peter was in some ways the preeminent apostle, the apostle Paul felt free to correct him when Peter was a hypocrite. In the third chapter of Galatians, the whole church gets rebuked. He says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you've heard? If you have received the Spirit by believing what you've heard, that's how you continue to grow in the Spirit but what happens to us when we want to grow spiritually when we want to see our prayers answered we have a tendency to think if we just do this and this and this and this then we're going to see miracles and it doesn't work that way the miracles are a gift from god miracles come by the grace of god so he got rebuked uh, peter did Paul rebuked the whole church. I did a wedding recently, and when I flew back from California, I'm not, not a wedding, a memorial service. After I flew home, um, I got an email from one of the main family members, and it said, you ruined my dad's memorial service. And I'm thinking, that's just great. You know what I mean? I fly out there. I do this whole thing. I love this guy that I did the service for, but I ruined it. I ruined it because I cut her son off. The first guy who was supposed to speak for 10 minutes spoke for 30 minutes. The next guy, after he had gone over time, I cut him off. The third guy, her son, I cut him off after he... And, and, but I ruined it. But that's what happens sometimes in ministry. You can ruin things that you're trying to make good, and you can make good things that... Anyway, that's a, I'm getting off the subject. The fourth chapter of the book of Galatians... The struggle that Paul dealt with there, one of many struggles, was physical illness. Here's a guy who God used to do extraordinary miracles. He could spot somebody in a crowd and call them out when they needed healing. He could take, they took handkerchiefs from him at one time, put them on sick people and demonized people, and they got delivered or healed. He had extraordinary miracles happen. But he himself said in Galatians chapter 4 that I met you because of an illness. And my illness was such a trial to you, but you still love me anyway. And I got a text after the first or after the second service from a guy who's got children who have an incurable disease. And he was glad I mentioned this, so I want to emphasize this to you. Healing and miracles are a gift from God. When you are ill, it does not mean you've necessarily done something because of your sin. God is punishing you. That's a distortion. Some people are born with genetic anomalies. They're born with vulnerabilities. And we live in a world that's got disease. It's got the effects of sin. It's got pollution. It's got a lot of things. So uh, the causes of many things are really unknown to us. But one of the things we do know is that even people like Paul, who understood healing and miracles probably better than anybody other than Jesus, he didn't say it was a formula. He said it was something that happens as a gift, and that we should seek the gifts, we should believe God, and when God speaks, we need to cooperate. In the fifth chapter of Galatians, there was a conflict described between the flesh and the spirit and That's a conflict that we all have all the time. You never get so spiritual that you're invulnerable That you don't get tempted the flesh wants immediate gratification We want to feel good now So we want to find something to drink something to smoke something to chew whatever to feel good The Spirit wants us to feel good, but He wants us to trust God. He wants us to press in in our relationship with the Father so we can be refreshed and we can be blessed and we won't have any guilt, any shame, or any dissipation of the pressure that God wants to use to mold us and shape us. Okay, let's get into Galatians 6 now, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Let's pray together. Father God, we want to live by the Spirit. We want to obey you, stay in step with you, and see the work that you do and your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So it's a pain when you love somebody and they get involved in some kind of sin that begins to entangle them. The problem with sin is it diminishes human potential. It doesn't enrich our life in the long run. It actually causes problems, not just with our Father, but it causes problems in our body and in our relationships and in every way. So when somebody is in sin, we don't just ignore them. If they're a believer, we try and restore them. Not ignore, but restore. And he says, when you try and restore somebody, do it gently. You do it gently because in Proverbs it says, gentle words increase persuasiveness. It will make you more effective. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul said, I appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Jesus was meek, not weak. He had power that was restrained. And he was gentle because that's the way his power works most effectively. I remember showing up at a uh, family's house to see their son. And there was a family that was going to the church. And, uh, and the, the mom comes in, drives up the driveway, doesn't know I'm there, her pastor. And when she gets out of the car, she starts screaming uh, about, you know, come out here and help me, I told you guys you're. I need help when I get home. And, and then I show up, and she's like, Oh, there's the pastor, and I'm screaming at my kids. Not the gentle mother that I seem to be on Sunday morning when I come to your church. The truth is, we're all like that sometimes, right? Sometimes it's really hard to be gentle because people, you, you want to grab them, and you want to shake them, and you want to awaken them to righteous behavior. It says in verse 2, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We've got burdens. Um, I've got burdens for some of my kids. I've got burdens for my wife sometimes. I've got burdens for when I'm going to go preach somewhere, and I want God to use me, and I'm feeling like I don't have much inspiration. I have burdens with my body when my uh, parts start to wear out you know what i mean it's like we have burdens each and every one of us and so the law of christ is that we come alongside one another we love one another and we help each other with those burdens because you have strengths where i have weakness i have grace where you need grace and so together we impart life to one another together we can allow each other to prosper People who say, I I believe in God, but I don't need church, they don't know the treasure that they're missing. The church isn't just sitting and listening to a sermon. It's being connected to one another with our lives and with our hearts so that the grace that God has given you can be received by others and the grace that they have can be received by you. And we all grow together into the fullness of the stature of sons of God. We grow in understanding and we grow in terms of the resources that are available to us. You don't have to buy everything if you've got friends that already own it because you can just borrow it from them. I don't know a simpler way to say it. Okay. Um, verse 3 <laughs> says, If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they will take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. So there's two different ideas in this passage that are interrelated. If you think you're something when you're not, you're deceived. When, when I was a... Uh, Young pastor, and we had a church in California. The church was growing really good. I did a sermon, it seemed like people really liked it. I was counseling later in the week with a guy in the church who had a handicap. He needed to get a job, and he loved the Lord. And we get to talking, and I get an idea. In those days, people used to mail out sermon tapes, and you would sign up and get a monthly tape from whatever teachers you liked, and uh, you'd send them in money, and it, it worked out really good. So I said, Hey, how about if we do this? I'm to send out Sunday's tape. We'll send it out to our entire mailing list, which was hundreds of people, and um, then you process the orders that come in for more tapes, and we'll just put in a note saying if you want to be on a regular tape subscription, just send in a love offering. And I said, we'll use those love offerings, and we're going to pay your salary, and you take care of the work, and and I'll do the preaching. And he's like, yeah, and we we did it, and we mailed out hundreds of free tapes to people literally all over the country who are on the mailing list. And then we waited for the orders to come in. And uh, there were two memorable letters I got. One said, please take me off your mailing list. And the other said, why did you send me this anyway? I didn't order it. <laughs> that was it. No money. It was like we were out of business right away. Because I had a little more high, high opinion of myself than everybody else seem to. They they just didn't get it for some reason. So the guy got a job and we've been friends ever since, but it's cause he forgave me. So the other part of this is each one should carry their own load. Now that appears to be a contradiction to let you know help each other with their burdens. But what he's referring to here is that everybody has a job to do. Everybody has work. It says in Thessalonians, that if somebody doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. We're not supposed to provide for somebody who's not willing to provide for themselves. Now, I, I counsel with a lot of parents, and every now and then, um, a parent has an adult child that's maybe been an addict, or maybe been broken down, um, had uh, emotional distress of some sort they're not working they're living at home they seem to be in a downward spiral and the question becomes what should they do how much help is necessary. I don't want to send them back out onto the streets because uh, the people are dying of fentanyl overdoses or getting stabbed in a homeless camp or whatever. I'm afraid to send them on the streets, and yet I see them uh, being more and more reclusive. What should I do? And one of the things that I try and tell parents is, first of all, I can't guarantee that if you follow my advice, you're going to get the results you're hoping to get. But I can tell you this, that if you're filled with the the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. He will lead you into all truth. Keeping in step with the Spirit means that when the pressure of life is upon you, when you're feeling the crunch, you have someone who is the counselor. He is sent by the one Jesus who's at the right hand of the Father, who's continually interceding for us to make sure that we have the resources we need for every situation in life. It doesn't mean we understand what the outcome's going to be, but he'll show us what the next step should be. Now, people should bear witness to that if they too are filled with the Spirit when you're taking next steps, but you can be sure of one thing, that he who gives you the Spirit loves you, he understands the situation, he loves the person that you love, and it will be the best path towards helping them if you trust him. So he goes on to say in verse 6, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor. Share all good things with your instructor. Now, that's used to uh, say why pastors, preachers, or whatever should receive salaries from churches. Um, But it's more than just a salary. Sometimes... The good things that people share are even more important than money. I preach in a number of different churches, and Uh, One church in particular that I love very much I've been teaching at once a month for a number of years I've never received a dime from the church But when my wife was struggling, fighting for her life And we didn't know if she would make it because of her heart failure They were praying for her every week Every time I would show up there, which was once a month or so They would have her already on the prayer list And when she got a heart transplant and started to recover They were one of the first people to call me up and rejoice and celebrate with me. When my sister Kim, who loves the Lord, got pancreatic cancer, they put her on the prayer list, they interceded for her, and today she's cancer-free. And I'm telling you, both of those gifts to me were more valuable than any honorarium check they could have given me. Share all good things with your instructor. That means make sure your pastors are well cared for. And And you share whatever good thing you've got. What does God want you to do? Share whatever good thing you've got in any situation. Because we have a treasure in Christ. When we share the faith that God's given us, other people's faith can come alive. When we share the gifts of the Spirit, the Spirit can penetrate people's hearts. When we share financially, finances can change somebody's whole outlook on life. says in the seventh verse, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, when I was a young guy and I wanted the Lord to use me, I had no opportunities to preach in churches or anything like that, but I did have Christ in my heart, and we did have some what we call tracts, which are little papers that tell people that if you want to get to know God, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, confess your sins, and He'll come into your life and change your life. So my friends and I would literally go and take those tracks and go to the beach in Northern California and hand them out to people Who were sitting on the beach. We would go down to Sausalito and walk along the coffee shops and the wharf and talk to people who were sitting on benches or laying on the grass or doing whatever they were doing, and we would tell them Jesus is alive. And in my mind, I thought this. I don't have a congregation to preach to, but I'm going to plant to seeds, and maybe someday the Lord will give me people to preach to and sure enough that's exactly what happened you have got christ in your life you have got the seed of eternal life and when you share it when you plant it you're going to reap and what are you going to reap it says in the next verse whoever verse 8 whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction whoever sows to please the spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Eternal life is the knowledge of God. You sow in the Spirit. What does that mean? That means you get the Word into your heart and you share the Word with others. That means that you receive a paycheck and you share part of that paycheck. You give it back to the Lord. It means that you get some revelation. Jesus said, would I whisper in your ear? Shout it from the rooftop. You share the revelation God gives you. You are planting seeds in other people and you begin to reap eternal life, which is a greater understanding of who God is, how He works, what His love is all about, the, the length and height And breadth of the love of God becomes more real to you. That's the reward of serving the Lord. It's a connection. What happens when we sow to the flesh? We end up reaping destruction, meaning this, that if I decide to dissipate my pressure by getting drunk, I wake up the next day feeling diminished. If I blow off my anger by getting mad at people, then I push them away and the relationships are frayed and I'm less fulfilled in my relationships. Anytime I give into the flesh, there's a destructive element that takes place. Anytime I give into the Spirit and do what the Spirit is telling me to do, which is to forgive, which is to love, which is to be patient, which is to be kind, which is to be gentle, there's always good fruit that comes. We're going to reap what we sow. I have a brother who, uh, when we started Living Streams, he gave thousands of dollars to our church. He was a tree trimmer at the time. He was married with no kids. He didn't have a lot of money, and he just had a little rented place. Today, he's got five kids, grandkids, owns a couple of homes that are worth millions of dollars. Why is that? Because he can... He continually sowed into God's kingdom what he had. He started that when he was still in high school, when he got a World Vision child to sponsor. He paid that kid every single month his, his schooling expenses. When he went away to college, he literally um, wrote a check for 3000 bucks, And this is like in the 70s. My mom got the, the letter, opened it up because he was gone at college, saw that he had given $3,000, and she had a fit. What are you doing, Robert? Why would you give away all this money? And he said, well, I'm going away to college, and I wanted to make sure that that kid had what he needed to get him into college. And we said, well, yeah, they probably named a city after him. They probably have him around, carrying him around on, you know, a thing where you hold it on the shoulders and sit on it or whatever. The kid's a hero in his town. But that's just who Robert is. He sowed generously, he's reaped generously. And other people sow in the Spirit, and they reap in the Spirit. You're somebody who's got a treasure. Sow what you have to sow, and you can trust God with the results. In our final verse here, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Why would he have to say that? He, he says it because the time lag between when you hope something is going to happen, when you want something to happen, and until it actually happens, can be quite a while. Tell me the story of you starting your business and how you got from where you started to where you are today. Tell me the story of your profession and what it was like to go through college and launch your profession tell me the story of your family and how you got from where you first got married to where you are today and I'll tell you that the stories are long they're arduous there's many battles there's many challenges and if you get weary and you give up you never get to reap when we started this church I literally was going door to door I was going to the parks I was so desperate I put an ad in the penny saver A newspaper, if you're lonely, depressed, discouraged, call me. And I put my home phone number in there. It was the days before cell phones. I got a call. And after talking to me, the guy never showed up for the appointment. And Christina and I decided that after talking to me, he realized he was in better shape than I was. I was desperate. (laughs) Really. It took a long time for the church to get from where we started to where it is today doing Absolutely wonderful things touching people all over the world. And there were times when you feel like giving up. Whatever your dream is, you will will be tested. Abraham was told by God, the living God, the almighty creator of the universe, that he was going to have children like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the seashore. He was going to have an incredible legacy, more than any man had ever imagined possible. And then he waited. And he waited and waited and waited and waited and took years and years and years and finally he had one kid. And then the Lord said, go offer him up as a sacrifice. And it's like, wow, what a journey. Well, our... our Father in heaven had a kid too. And he offered him up as a sacrifice for me and you so that we could be forgiven, so we could be cleansed, so we could receive the power of the Spirit, so we could be guided by the grace of God. And if we keep in step with the Spirit, we have a promise. And the promise is that we're going to reap eternal life. That's good news. I'll take it. I think you will too. We're going to pray, and then we're going to have a video from david in ireland and then we're going to have a brief congregational meeting where you get some behind the scenes look at what's happening around here and i think you'll enjoy that as well let's pray together father god i thank you for this beautiful congregation i pray your blessing on each man and woman here today i ask lord god that the hopes and dreams that you've given us will be fulfilled by the power of your Spirit. That we will have that wisdom to know what is good and helpful for those we're trying to serve and what is simply an enabling cop-out. Lord, we, help. we need your help. We need your grace and your guidance. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.